children go to children's church. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, good morning, church. Are you ready? All right. If you would, Joshua chapter number 4. Joshua chapter number 4. We continue in our series from the book of Joshua, an exciting book, a faith-building book. A book that teaches us the ways of walking with God and advancing in our faith. Beginning with verse number one. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Pause. Remember last time, the Jordan River's at flood stage. It's over a mile wide. It's impossible to go through. And that's just the time God brought them there. God said, I want to show myself special to you. And so here's the plan. You're going to walk right through it. How are we going to do that, God? Well, the priests are going to put the ark, which symbolizes my presence, and they're going to walk straight. And as soon as their feet touches that water, I'm going to cause the waters to part for you. And you're going to walk on dry ground. The priests will stand in the middle of the river. And the whole nation will go on dry ground. So this is what preceded it. That was last week. So here here they are. Now verse 4, Joshua called together the 12 men he appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. He said, go over before the ark of the Lord into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites. Verse 6, to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Now, after Everyone had crossed, jumping to verse 15, jumping down to verse 15. After everyone had crossed, then the Lord said to Joshua, Now command the priest, carrying the ark of the testimony, to come up out of the Jordan. And so Joshua commanded the priest, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priest came up out of the river, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground, Then the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. Verse 20 says, Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? You tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he did to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we'd crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. We'll use as a title this morning the message of a memorial. Father, we thank you for your word. Give us ears to hear and hearts that are ready to respond 
and to apply and obey your word in our lives. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, a memorial, that's something that serves to preserve remembrance. It is something that keeps a memory alive. Again, last week was the miracle at the Jordan, at flood stage. But as they were able to walk on through, as God by the ark went before them, and the people crossed over miraculously. This is the continuation of the story. And God tells Joshua, have 12 men, one from each tribe, pick up a big stone, put it on their shoulder, take it right from the middle of the Jordan where the priests had stood, carry it over to the other side, and there you're going to set up a monument to my glory and to my name. It will be a reminder to the people. It will be a message of the goodness and the faithfulness and the power of the living God. It will remind them again and again how he exercised his sovereign power in the midst of the Jordan River. And God wants you and I to remember some things as we march forward in faith this day and this year on our journey. He wants these stones and also other memorials that we might have in our lives to preach to us to remind us and to inspire us. They might be stones or stories. They might be songs that we sing. They could be pictures on a wall. They might be plaques that we have created. They might be prophecies that we've heard and never forgotten. They could be sanctuaries. They could be testimonies. But the message of the godly memorial that inspires our faith and instructs our faith and urges us on in the victory of faith, These stones were to be an everlasting witness to God's people that they serve the living God, the God that honors faith and the God that is forever faithful, the God that works on behalf of those that will trust Him and that will obey Him. Let them never forget the God that we serve. He still opens rivers that seem impassable. He still enables his people to climb mountains that seem unclimbable. We'll see in a week or two. He's still able to make the walls of Jericho come tumbling down if his people will only trust him and obey him and walk confidently before him. These stones would remind Israel forever that they didn't get where they got all by themselves. But by the grace of God, we stand where we stand. It'll be a monument, a reminder O Israel, it was not your ability, but my mighty arm that brought you to this place. And as humans, we can often forget. Sometimes we could be tempted to take credit for what the Lord has done. Sometimes we can forget and get a little slothful in our appreciation of that divine hand that has kept us and carried us and led us a mighty long way. But God calls us to remember And he gives us memorials to help us do so. Things that preserve remembrance. Things that keep memory alive. We'll break down our outline into three parts. Number one, memorials are important because they encourage the present generation. They encourage us in the now. They encourage us in the now. But secondly, they educate the next generation. Now, miracles actually be memorials. Memorials are important. Because they encourage the present generation. They educate the next generation. And they give evidence or witness to the world concerning the living God. Roman numeral one, memorials are important because they encourage the present generation. Memorials should motivate faith and confidence and trust in the living God. 
They should encourage us presently. They're, they're not just for the future, but presently. They should inspire and, and, and encourage faith that reminds us of the power and the trustworthiness and the glory of the God that we serve. That the people of Israel would face some challenges as they entered into the land and as they went forward to conquer the nations and to possess their inheritance. And, and Gilgal was the town that God said, this will be your base of operations. And that's where God had Joshua set up this monument. And every time, They'd wake up in the morning to go off to war to claim their inheritance. They would see that monument of God's greatness and His sovereign power. And it would inspire them in the morning. And it would remind them each day of what their God had done. And how their God was willing to do it again. How that God that opened the Jordan was the God that went before them in that very hour. It was the monument that would stir their faith to believe God's promise. And to cling fast to His Word. And to walk forward in His will knowing that if God be for us, none can be against. And when they'd return after a day of battle, after exhaustion and weariness of fighting that good fight, and maybe the day didn't go as expected. Maybe they were tired and weary by trying to do their best to stand firm in the faith. They could again look at that pile of stones and they could be reminded of the goodness of God whose mercies never fail but are new every morning. They could receive strength for a new day and uh, uh, for the next fight and for the next adventure in the Lord. And again, keeping fresh and strong the memory of God's greatness and God's faithfulness and the worthiness of serving this God. This monument of 12 stones would be a constant reminder to Israel. It would remind them, you can trust the Word of this God. You can believe the promises of this God. When He says, walk into the water, don't you be afraid to get your feet wet. Just walk and know that He walks before you. And He'll open the way and He'll make the way. Oh, this is a God that you can reverence and fear, worship and honor. Every time they saw the stones, it would remind them of the power and the glory, the might of the true and living God that the false knew nothing about. That those that worship stones and idols knew nothing about. But oh, they're God wasn't like those gods. He was the true and living God. Blessed be His name. Memorials. Memorial, they could be songs that we sing. Ancient days, ancient cultures would often rehearse and, and, and declare and recite the exploits of their God and they'd bring them into song. It, it would stir their faith. It would wash away their fears. It would motivate them as they went out to battle. We do the same thing today. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Great is thy faithfulness. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Memorials sometimes come in the form of a song that reminds us of the goodness and the greatness and the loving kindness of our God and how far He's brought us and where He's brought us to. And we sing those songs and our hearts are stirred and our faith is refreshed as we recall His goodness, His mercy and His love. Sometimes as the things we see, we can look at a beautiful sanctuary and we can see it as a testimony to a good and faithful God and we can be inspired by believing what God can do through a relatively small group of people that will believe Him and work together and do their best to sacrifice and give and work together to see the will and the glory of God done in the earth. Can you say amen? Each day I can get up and look in my office and see pictures of my mentors. And they 
challenged me to imitate their life of faith and to serve God with the wholeheartedness they did. I could look upon the books on my bookshelves and see those spiritual heroes of the faith. And my faith is stirred to go all out for the cause of Christ just like they did. We can look at a cross and say, thank God it's empty. Thank God it's empty because He came down and He is alive forevermore and inspires us and it reminds us of the God we serve. We can think about the testimonies of our own life and those that we know. Men and women maybe that you're sitting next to that one time the doctor gave no hope but 50 years later there's no sign of cancer and the testimonies are strong today as it was in 1965. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we look at things and they keep the memory alive. They remind us again and again of the reality of the God that we serve. When I look at God's house, like any of you that grew up in the faith, I know that God's house is not a place for dead relics. It's a place where the living God meets afresh with His people day after day in service after service. You can look at the Bible and be reminded that this God speaks to us. This God has a word to us. This God will speak to us and guide our lives. And there's memorials in our lives when we remember our salvation experience, how powerful it was, how beautiful it was. We think back to those thoughts and they break the freshness of our faith stir again to know that God is with me and that God is for me. Monuments or memorials of faith they inspire us daily. They they motivate us presently. The things we look at the things we remember again Israel. This monument of twelve stones was to be a constant reminder to Israel that their God had opened the Jordan River. That their God had brought them safely through. That their God had turned barriers into blessings. And their God had more, much, much more for them in the days ahead, just like He does you. Every time they came to camp, the stones would remind them of God's power at the river. The stones would remind them that God is able to open up impassable, impossible places and bring His people through the stones, would remind them that their God is the living God and that He is in charge and He is sovereign over every battle, over every obstacle, over every opposition. The story of the stones. They didn't worship the stones. But those stones were to remind them of the God they were supposed to worship. The God they were supposed to live for and believe in and trust in. Every time they heard the story of the stones. And when we hear this story this morning, it should move us to trust the Lord with all of our hearts. To step out on His Word. Not be afraid to get our feet wet. But believe if He says He's going to open it, He's going to open it. It should move us. To remember the great faithfulness of God towards His people and towards His promises. It should stir memory and speak to us concerning the great love and the faithfulness and the kindness and the care of this God who took His people from slavery in Egypt, but He didn't fail them. He brought them all the way into the promised land. Just like in our lives, the work that He began. He's going to complete that work. You might be going through a desert period. It's not over yet. God's got a promised land with your name on it. You might be a bit frustrated in the place that you're in, waiting on the Lord, waiting on that breakthrough. Like He brought Israel through, He's going to bring 
bring you through. Listen to the message of the stones. It declares to God's people this day, I am an almighty God. I am a trustworthy God. I am a dependable God. And if you'll walk with me and do what I tell you to do, I won't fail you. I won't forsake you. I'll do wonders and marvels in your life. Follow me. Trust in me. And watch me work my wonders in you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We thank God that the memorial of yesterday, (laughs) the God of the memorial of yesterday, is the God of the moment today. The one of our yesterdays that we sing about, tell stories about, that we witness about. He is alive. He is well. And he is working today. Oh, hallelujah. That heap of stones was a reminder of what God did and who God was to his people. Now, to an unbeliever, the heap of stones was just another pile of stones. But to the believing Israelite, it was a constant reminder that Jehovah was his God, forever reigning, forever living, forever working on behalf of his people. To the unbeliever, the Bible's just another book. The cross is just another religious symbol. The name of Jesus is just another name. But to us who believe, it is the power of God. It is the wisdom of God. It is the glory of God. The greatness of God. The salvation of God. May we look at the memorials in our lives. And allow them to stir our faith and remind us again and again of the goodness and faithfulness and power of the God we serve. Let those things move us to serve Him wholeheartedly and reverently all the days of our lives. Number one, memorials encourage the present. Number two, memorials are important because they educate the next generation. Memorials have a story to tell. Memorials have lessons to learn if you have an ear to hear. You see verses 6 and 7. What a, what a beautiful verse. God says, here's a reason I'm going to do this. There, there's a reason I'm not against memorials. I'm for memorials. I like illustrated sermons. They're to serve as a sign among you. A sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you. You've got to get your kids around spiritual things so they ask you about spiritual things. Another sermon for another day. Amen. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? What does it mean when she just fell out? Didn't see that at St. Andrews. Well, let me tell you what that means, son. We believe God is alive and he expresses his power in the now. The lame still walk, the blind still see, the hungry are satisfied, the thirsty overflow. We believe that. Come on, say amen. When they ask you, when they ask you, I'll be somewhere where they see something different where they'll ask you. Oh, Lord, hush up, Joe. Go on to that message. Amen. My Lord, have mercy. When they ask you, what do these stones mean? What is that tongue going to interpret? Well, here it is in the Bible. Let me explain it to you. It's right here in the B-I-B-L-L-E. Oh, what's the Bible? That's God's Word. Oh, they didn't teach you that. They didn't teach you? Oh, no, no. This is the Bible. Oh, folks. Are you getting this? Anybody getting this? See, it's not all by osmosis. You've got to tell them, and you've got to show them, and you've got to tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark. Of the covenant of the Lord. Tell them these stones are to be a memorial. To the people of Israel forever. Oh hallelujah. Memorials honor the past. 
But memorials should also educate the present generation, the present future generation. In the natural, memorials honor selfless acts of bravery, heroism, sacrifice, and service. In the natural, we have so many memorials, 911 memorials, Remember the Alamo memorials, Vietnam memorials, the many, many um, World War II, Pearl Harbor, etc. Honor and the educate so that we and our children and our children's children will never forget. In the natural, so many of our memorials, they teach lessons, they educate that freedom's not free, that a free people cannot remain free without the courage and the character of the righteous combating and resisting evil and aggression, that the righteous must be more than philosophers. They must be doers. In the, the significance of this memorial that we read about this morning was to be a sign that would educate future generations about their heritage And more importantly, about their God. God ordains memorials as educational tools telling us that we are to use them to teach our children about Him. Some of you remember an old Pentecost, old Pentecost. There used to be canes and crutches laying around. Memorial, what happened? Well, Granny used to use it. That was ten years ago. Power God came, and it's just been sitting in that corner. She said, threw it down. We had those in our church growing up. We, we had some of those. God, God, when they became memorials. And what, what are they for? God still heals. Yeah, he still heals. Thank God he does. Come on. Say amen. Memorials. Memorials. God ordains memorials. Have you seen a rainbow lately? God ordains memorials. In that ark that they carried all around the wilderness, inside that ark was the law, and there was a bottle of manna, a jar of manna, a memorial, to remind them of the faithfulness and care of their God for 40 years. They never missed a meal. Memorials to remember, to keep the memory of God's goodness and faithfulness and power afresh in their mind. It's so easy to forget. It's so easy to get complacent. It's so easy to think maybe it would have worked out this way anyhow. But there's memorials that we didn't get here by accident. Um, um, the great author Alex Haley had a picture in his study, and it's a picture of a, a turtle on top of a fence pole. And, and it's there to remind him, you didn't get here by accident. You didn't get here by yourself. If you see a turtle on top of a fence pole, you know someone helped them to get there. Amen. Wherever you're at in life, you didn't get there on your own. No matter what they tell you, you don't pull up no bootstraps. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm where I am. I'm who I am. It's the grace of God. The grace of God holds your next breath. And memorials can remind us of that. Memorials remind us of those that have gone before us, that have fought this great fight of faith. Laid down their lives so nations could hear the gospel. Stood firm against opposition that we could read a Bible on our own language. Oh yeah, there's memorials to remind us of those that have gone before us. That it's worth laying it all down for His name and for His cause. Memorials are an education tool telling us that we are to use them to teach our children about Him. Reminding and instructing our children of their spiritual heritage. The salvation we have in Christ. 
the distinction, the difference we have as believers than the rest of humanity. The reality and truth of the one and only living God that we serve and we belong to. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9. Hallelujah. God says, only be careful. Watch yourselves closely so that you what? You don't forget. You see, in the Christian experience, there's some things we're supposed to forget, but there's some things we are never forget. God says, I want you to be careful when you're blessed. Context, when you hit that promised land. If things are going good for you, amen, and you don't need to call prayer line no more, but you, you're there now, you got the, okay. Be careful, watch yourselves closely so you don't forget what your eyes have seen. Or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. And memorials help us to do that. Help us never forget. See those brave men putting up that flag in Iwo Jima. My goodness. Chill bumps still go up and down my spine. To think of the heroics and the sacrifice of young men. Just most of them in their teens. That would give their life for a cause greater than themselves. That's something special. That's something that is selfless. People need, we need to hear a selfish people don't like that, but oh God, for such a heart. Don't let them slip from your heart as long as you live, but teach them. Don't forget them, pass them on. Teach them to your children and to their children. Teach them, tell them, rehearse it to them, remind them. Point it out in pictures, remind them as the occasion demands. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. All right, not in my heart. And you shall teach them. Don't just keep it in your heart. I'm glad you got it. Now you've got to pass it. It's good that you believe what you believe. Now you've got to make sure that next group believes what they believe. You shall teach them diligently. That's not casual, is it? That's not just a complacent, well, everyone's got to pick their own way. Forget picking your own way. You pick your own way when you're out of the house. While you're under that roof, you're going to hear about Jesus. Amen. You hear B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Come on, say amen. I'm just telling you, don't let that devil's crowd fool you. They're not smart enough at five to pick up their way. You show them the way. That's what you're there for. That's why God gave you the kid. Come on. Woo. Man. Try to keep this nice. I just want to run and shout now. Glory to God. That's what God told his people. We diligently um, um, impress. NIV says impress it upon them. I mean, you make sure they know what they know. Diligently teach them to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in the house. Not everything has to be a formal. No, everything We talk about it. When you're out there fishing, talk to your kid. Man, God good to us. What a God we serve. Man, look at this. And those numbskulls say they know God. Can you look at that sunrise? My goodness. A glory. The, the handiwork declares his glory. Oh, my goodness. Talk to them when you sit at the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down. When you're, it's just a habitual thing. We talk about the things of God. Just like prayer to the believers, like breathing. Talking about the things of God to our children, it's just regular conversation. We don't have to set up something on the calendar for this, man. We talk about that. We serve a good God. I got good news. Our God's a living God. He's the, there's no God like him. Put him first. He'll bless you going in, bless you going out. There's no God. Oh, hallelujah. Bind them as a sign 
on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them, doorposts of your house and on your gates. Ah, I like that. Look, if you would, Deuteronomy 6, 20 and 21. Deuteronomy 6, 20 and 21. Hallelujah. Memorials are to educate the next generation. Kids, you should have seen it. There was a handful that got together. They had no building. Been in a fellowship hall for about a decade. But faith rose up, and everyone said, let's give, let's believe, let's trust. Uh, you see everything you see here? Man, nobody wrote a million-dollar check. But this is what happens when there's a unity among God's people. Man, you can move mountains. Uh, some said it couldn't be done. Well, they're not part of the group. They're long gone. That group, don't, don't, no, no, that, that doubter is somewhere else. But there was a people of faith and willing to sacrifice and willing to give their very best. And when God is a people that will do that, anybody can sit back. we got enough Rush Limbaugh's and commentators in the kingdom. We could use some more doers, less talkers. Come on, say amen. What you see is the result of people doing and giving and sacrifice. I want to tell you, some people said it couldn't be done. But you know what? Look at it, son. Oh, son, do you see Uncle so-and-so? They gave him up for dead. It was 30 years ago. They sent him home. But the preacher come over, poured half a bucket of oil on him. The saints got around him. He got up and he walked out for the glory of God. Oh, son, don't let them tell you God doesn't heal. Maybe their God doesn't. But your God heals. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the future, when your son asks you, what's the meaning of all this? Why do you sing like they sing? Shout like they shout? Why are you such a stickler for that Bible? There's no other book like it. In the future, when your son asks you, why, do we, why don't we drink like they drink? Why don't we talk like they talk? I grew up, I didn't grow up in Bible Belt, folks. 90, at least 95% Catholic was, was my county, the county I grew up in. Well, trust me, we were different. <laughs> trust me. Trust me, we were different. Drinking age was 18. 18. Trust me, we were different. You, you couldn't go to anyone's graduation party with the kegs flowing. They just thought we were different. You have house parties, neighborhood parties. Forget it. The homemade wine, the flow, it just, trust me, we were different. It didn't take a lot to, you just had to be a normal Christian. You just had to be mediocre, real Christian, and trust me, like a sore thumb. You knew where you stood in that place. There wasn't a lot of wiggle room. And when your kids ask you, why, why don't we go and watch that stuff? Why aren't we allowed to talk like that in this house? Oh, no time to bash him. It's time to teach him. And let me tell you why, son. We serve the living God. And this God is so great and so full of compassion, he gave us a book. Can you imagine that, boy? Forget your computer. God Almighty gave us a book. We can find every answer to every question that we'll ever have. And God gave us a book. We don't have to run up on a hill and cut our sails and get in a frenzy to hear some mysterious voice. We can go to the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. And son, the Bible tells. So not, not what daddy and mommy think. It's not what a church believes. But the Bible, God's Word, teaches that those that call themselves Christians, those that love the Lord Jesus, this is how He wants them to live. We live this way because this pleases the Lord. And we love Him and we want to obey Him. Can you say amen? 
Hallelujah! So when your son or daughter asks you, what's the meaning? The stipulations, the creeds, the laws, our God has commanded you. Tell him. Go ahead and tell him the story. Tell him about salvation. Tell him about where you were when God found you. Tell him about how messed up things were when you're out running crazy. But how the mercy of God became a reality to your life. We were slaves in Egypt. We were lost. We were doing stupid things, shameful things. Things we're embarrassed about. But one beautiful day, it's like, like an invisible light opened my eyes and an invisible force awakened my heart. And things that were so foolish before made sense. Things that I thought were dumb and unneeded, I desired them. They became lovely. And this God brought me out of such a mess, brought me out of foolish thinking and foolish living and foolish talking. And He brought me into a place of peace and righteousness. And oh, hallelujah, glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to God. The Jewish people were great believers in teaching the next generation about the Lord and His special relationship to them. And we ought to intentionally, continually do the same. We ought to teach our children about the greatness, the faithfulness, the love of the living God. We ought to teach them about the uniqueness of the Lord Jesus and His salvation. We ought to teach them about the reality of prayer, its privilege and its power to those that would believe. We ought to teach them about that wonderful book called the Bible, for there is no other book like it. How it will guide us and it will govern us and it will reveal the riches of God's grace to us. We ought to tell them and teach them and model for them the importance of God's house and gathering together in God's name as a family to worship the living God and give Him praise and give Him glory. We ought to teach them now they're special and unique before the living God. They're made in His image after His likeness. And the living God has a purpose for their life. And it's a good purpose. And it's a wonderful will to walk with the Lord. We ought to instruct them and to testify to them and to model to them this life and remind them, whether it's by illustration or memorial, got pictures of my mentors. I tell them stories. I remember that night. Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you the fire department came that night. Craziest thing you've ever seen. Middle of the tent. Middle of South Side Los Angeles. He jumped off the stage. And you've seen the miracles begin to flow. Tell them. Got pictures and memorials. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what he did yesterday. I'm looking for him to do today. Amen. I love the story, but I'm fighting for it today. Three specific reasons for memorials. Three specific reasons for memorials. Number one, they encourage the present. The Israelites needed reminders as they faced the future battles and challenges. So do we. Stones that reminded them of the power and faithfulness of the living God who was with them and who went before them. That they could trust and they could believe. But secondly, it was to educate the next generation. You see, because children can forget faith and instruction if we don't rehearse it, remind them. We didn't teach them their ABCs one time and then forget it, did we? 
There are flashcards over and over, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, your name is, your name, and there's repetition in rehearsing, so it sinks in and gets embedded and rooted in the foundation, the fabric of their life. God wants His people to remind His children again and again so that they won't forget and they'll remain faithful to the God of their fathers. That they'll be reminded never to forget the Lord, but to always fear and honor the Lord. And never ever forsake or forget their distinction, their difference, their separation from this world. Number three, memorials are important for they're an evidence and a witness to the world concerning the true and living God. They testify to the people of the earth. And verse 29, 24, I'm sorry, verse 24 says that so well. Francis Schaeffer, the great apologist and teacher, once wrote, The stones were to tell the other nations round about that their God is different. He really exists. He's the living God, a God of real power who is eminent in the world. God gives us memorials so that we might be encouraged ourselves. Amen? Encouraged ourselves. So that we might have tools to educate our children. So that the whole world might know that we have a true and living God. The memorial of the rainbow in the sky. The memorial of the stones that the priests would have on their vestments. God said were to be a memorial. What they carried in the ark, a memorial. For Samuel 7 is... Samuel put down that Ebenezer. That's not Scrooge. That was the first. A memorial means God has been our help. God has helped us. A memorial that people would always remember our God is our help. Our God can bring us through. And over and over and over, you'll see throughout the Word of God, memorials to refresh our memory and help us to remember the goodness, faithfulness, and power of our God. Memorials that inspire our faith for the now. Memorials to give us a teaching tool to instruct and inspire our children for the future. God loves memorials. They remind us and they teach us and they honor Him. And they encourage faith and they testify to the world Jesus gave us. I believe the greatest and most precious of all memorials. On the very night he was betrayed. We call it communion. It was a memorial. He gave it so that our memories would be refreshed. That we would never forget the price he paid. The love he expressed. And the salvation that he offers. It's communion that reminds us of the death, the burial, and resurrection of our Lord. The cup tells us of his blood shed that we might be forgiven. The bread tells us of his broken body, broken that we might be healed. And he did it all for you and he did it for me. This memorial ministers to our hearts in a fresh way, I believe, every time we worthily partake of the Lord's table. I believe every time we do it with clear hearts and a, uh, an alert faith that imparts a new remembrance of the finished work of Christ. He paid it all. There's nothing left to be done but to receive it and to enjoy it and to embrace it. The forgiveness, the pardon, the redemption. We look at this memorial that Jesus said, I want you to do this as often as you do this in remembrance, in remembrance. I want you to remember me and what I've done and what this symbolizes, what I did yesterday and what it means for you today. 
look at the bread and we look at the juice. And again, it reminds us of the finished work of the cross. Once and for all, the Bible says again and again, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. It also reminds us of the enduring love of Christ. When you think that blood that knew no sin, he was not there because he was guilty of anything against God, but he went there as your substitute in mine, expressing for God so loved the world, a world that had rejected him, a world that had defied him. But, oh, yes, communion, that memorial, not only does it remind us of the finished work of the cross, it reminds us of the enduring love of Jesus Christ. And, of course, it teaches us and preaches to us, communicates to us the soon and sure return of our Lord and our Savior. For the same Jesus that died on that cross will return again to receive us overthrow all evil, set up His kingdom that will endure forever and forever. Amen. Memorials. And I believe this memorial, more than any other, encourages us in the present as we're reminded, I'm forgiven. We're reminded, I am eternally loved. We're reminded, eternity awaits because of what Jesus did for me. But it is also one of the greatest tools, parents of young people, one of the tools, the greatest of tools to educate our children. Tell, teach, and train. Tell, teach, and train. Beautiful. Memorial. Opportunity to educate. Normally we take communion before the kids leave today, this is the flow of the message. We're doing it at the end. But typically, parents, every time we take communion, there's an opportunity. If you're, you think your kid's at that age where you can say, son, daughter, do you know what this means? They might not. No, they'll sit there. When we get home, mommy's going to sit down with you and she's going to explain what this means. You could lead your children to the Lord just by using this beautiful tool, this memorial, to educate them of why we do what we do. It's an instrument. You don't just give it to them to hush them up. You don't just give it to them as all their friends are. But this is what a tool for the parent to talk with their children. Now we take communion. Do you know why we take communion, honey? Do you want Yeah, because that blood and the body and does Jesus die? Have you received Jesus? Yes, Ma. You understand what this means? Okay. Next time as you sit by mommy and daddy, we're going to worship together and you're going to, we're going to take communion. And it's an education tool. You see, to teach our children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. We want to conclude our service by remembering and worshiping and giving thanks. If the men would come down and begin to serve the people, let's begin to prepare our hearts to take communion together, to remember and to be blessed and Father God, I just thank you for the wonderful memorials you've put in your word to help us to remember, to keep our memories fresh concerning your goodness, your greatness, your salvation, your mercy, and your love. Lord, especially with the communion. Jesus, you gave us this memorial. You said to do this in remembrance of you. You said to do this with a special 
memory upon who you are and what you've done for us and how it's changed our lives. So, Lord Jesus, as we fulfill this commandment, touch our hearts today. Help each one of us to really appreciate your great love and sacrifice. Help us, Lord, to really embrace it personally and let the truth of this memorial minister powerfully to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, guys. could have come in all his splendor greater than the eye has ever seen he could have come in robes of scarlet so all the world could see that he was king he could have ridden on a white horse as a warrior and conquered every land oh yes but he knew that if redemption's price were paid it would take a land it took a sacrifices every day and though the blood appeased the father still the curse of sin was never wiped away until one day the rule of justice was halted by a touch from mercy's hand, oh mercy's hand, as the Father in compassion said it's time to send a spotless lamb, spotless lamb.
Paul writing about what the Lord had given him. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, the night he was betrayed, knowing he would face denial, betrayal, treachery, he expresses the love of God and such a fullest and most tenderest measure. He took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance. This is a memorial to keep the memory fresh of what Jesus did for us and how that act has transformed our lives and what it means to us. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, Brother Sam, would you thank the Lord for his broken body, please? Take together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. We remember you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We give thanks. We give praise, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. We're reminded of your sacrifice. We're reminded of your great love. We're reminded, Lord, you did it for us. We're reminded, Lord, that it achieved our healing, it achieved our deliverance. It achieved our acceptance. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. And in the same way, after the supper, 
Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance. In remembrance. It wasn't just the blood of an animal. An animal's blood that they had shed from the beginning couldn't couldn't do it. It was the blood of God's only begotten Son. Sinless blood, precious blood. Taking my place, enduring my shame. We remember. Lord Jesus, we remember you this morning. Not just as a teacher or a miracle worker. Not just as a mighty prophet. But we remember you this morning as the Lamb of God. Our Savior. Who came. That we might be forgiven. That we might be redeemed. We remember how you shed your blood. Innocent blood. Precious blood. Willingly and lovingly. You gave yourself to those that abused you, beat you, crucified you. But you did it for us. You did it because of your great love for us. You did it that we might be forgiven and our sins never remembered again. That we might be delivered from our darkness and our past and we might become sons and daughters of the living God forever and eternally saved and secure. Lord Jesus, we remember you with grateful hearts. And we remember your precious act of salvation and dying for us with grateful hearts. Let us never forget it. Let us forever celebrate it. Rejoice over it. Tell our children about it and declare it to this world. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your shed blood. Let us never fail to stop thanking you and honoring you for it. In Jesus' name, let's partake with grateful hearts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, folks, we're going to just thank the Lord for a little bit here. You need prayer? Those stripes were taken that you might be healed. And the power of that Christ is here today to touch your body. You just want to spend a little time just thanking the Lord and thinking back of this memorial of memorials. And how it expresses God's love for you. And how this act has transformed your life like nothing ever could. Just give them some time and give them praise. And if you need prayer, let's gather together and let's worship the Lord. Let's be blessed. Stand and worship, please.